Hey everyone and welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger and today I don't actually have a guest. I'm trying something different uh, uh, today for this episode, for episode 39 of the podcast. Hard to believe we're already almost at 40. Um, yeah, today I, I just figured I, I would go alone here. Um, obviously, you guys will know how long this podcast actually goes. I'm I'm aiming to do, you know, maybe 25, 30 minutes, but I uh, definitely wouldn't shock myself if I uh, end up talking longer than that, even if it's to myself. So uh, we'll definitely see. Um, the, the reason I'm going alone here today, I wanted to uh, record a podcast. It's been about, I don't know, a week and a half. I think it was the 27th was the last time I put a podcast out. So uh, today it'll be the 9th by the time this one comes out. So just over a week, I guess. Um, and But there, there's been a lot to talk about. And I uh, really didn't think I was going to be able to publish one um, if I didn't record tonight. Uh, I probably wasn't going to be able to record until next week, maybe, and that would have just been a lot to talk about, considering the past five games have given us, uh, obviously, plenty to discuss as well. So, uh, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys this, but it'll just be uh, me kind of going through some some subjects that I've wanted to rant about, and I have ranted about on Twitter a little bit, but I think the podcast is a better way to get it uh get it in more clear form, and I didn't really think I could find a, a last-second guest anywhere, so I figured I'll just try and go solo here. So uh, I definitely love any feedback, you know, if this is something that uh, I know I've definitely tried it before where I've I've gone 20 or 30 minutes and then I've got a guest in to preview a game. I, I want to try that again at some point too, but um, considering I don't have a guest yet, I'm just going to, I think, uh, yeah, just kind of record and, and go from there. So um, lots to talk about uh, with this team over the past week. So uh, obviously, Graham uh, joined me last time. Uh, that, that episode we recorded after the Canadians game, I believe it was, uh, where Ottawa dropped two one to the Habs, uh, and you know we we kind of talked about how just you know injuries were piling up, and uh, you know despite being about five hundred or so over the previous eight games, it was you know kind of an impressive record for you know really who who was all out of the lineup. They were missing Shabbat, obviously Batherson, Norris, Pinto was still out. Um, the last five games has been a complete flip. Now, I, I will admit that I am recording this about four minutes after the St. Louis Blues game ended, and that was one of the better games I've seen the Senators play in a long time. Like, I, I think that was truly probably one of their best games since maybe the Capitals 4-1 win back in, in mid-February there. Um, you know, maybe one of the Hurricanes, that I think they when they beat the Devils 4-1. Like, definitely since it was probably a top... Top two games since the All-Star break, so in the last 10 or 12, that was it was just a very complete game, and I will definitely get to that and some of the ups from it as well, but uh, there was a lot of downs over this last week, and uh, I really want to touch on that. It was a grueling road trip. They went out to Florida, played the Lightning and then the Panthers, uh, and then had to go all the way across the country to play the Coyotes and... Uh, um, Vegas Golden Knights, and then had to go halfway back across the states to play St. Louis. Um, they showed on TSN tonight. It was just a big triangle with an absurd amount of miles traveled in a week. So, uh, you know, fatigue is something that they could use an excuse, but ironically enough, their best game came fifth when they should be the most tired. Um, the first couple games were some of the most pathetic hockey I have seen from this team in a little while. And I... I say that, you know, somewhat half-heartedly. Uh, it's one of those things where, um, so we'll start with the Lightning and Panthers. They were just never in those games. It was 5-2 Lightning, 3 nothing Panthers. But they just, like, especially that Panthers game, it felt like it could have been 6 or 7 nothing. Uh, the, the Sens just really never felt like they were 
even remotely going to be in the game at any point. And, you know, you can point to injuries and stuff all you want, but the, what, the thing I said when those games were over was, to me, if we're going to do this whole song and dance of every time they win two or three games that, oh, they're actually only a piece or two away, they're right there, they could, they could compete for playoffs in a perfect world... I think when you know you go and play those teams, and I think it shows just how far away they are at some points. Like they just, especially that that Panthers game was brutal. They got caved in. They had thirty percent of the shot attempts. Uh, the expected goals they were under one quarter. Like they were twenty four percent expected goals. Um, you know they got scored almost three to zero point eight uh, in terms of expected goals. So it was just it was not a good game whatsoever. And, um, you know, they, they can happen, but uh, when you're already coming off of a game where you lose you lose to the Canadians, who are the worst team in the league, I think, now that Arizona beat Ottawa, and then they crushed Detroit tonight, 9-2 as well. Um, but you, you lose to the Canadians, you go get killed by the Lightning, and then crushed by the Panthers. It's like, you, you can take those two games, I think, sometimes, but combining all three in a row was just a tough stretch to have. And it's one of those things where, again, like you just kind of look at those games, you go, Ooh, there is uh, definitely still a bit of a gap here. And to be, again, like to be completely honest, I thought in that, uh, um, Panthers game, it could have been way. The shots were 48 to 18. Like Ottawa just did not do anything for the entire game. It was, it was rather pathetic, really. Like, it was just one one of the first games all year where I've really debated, like, when I was watching, going, hmm, should I turn this off? Because this is just not enjoyable to watch. Like, it looked like two different leagues out there. And that's not something, you know, for as bad as this team has been, that is not something you can say about them very often. So uh, if it wasn't for Anton Forsberg, that game could have been probably 6-7, maybe even 8 nothing. And then, um, you know, the, the next game in Arizona comes and oh man so you, you're coming off of a loss to the uh, Canadians which I guess like it happens right a loss to two really good like two of the best five teams in the league in my opinion the Lightning and Panthers if not top five like Lightning are top three Panthers are top seven at the very worst probably top six um you go okay well you got the other worst team in the league in the Arizona Coyotes now this is time for your bounce back. Like this is where you rebound. This is where you know you get right back. You get right back into it, and they come out and within the they're down four nothing or, or three nothing. Sorry, no, no, it was four nothing. Uh, halfway through the second, they just they have no life whatsoever. Then they suddenly come storming back with three goals in the last seven minutes to make it four three. Uh, that last half second period was all them. They score two quick ones in two minutes to start the period, and then give two more up in the next four. Uh, they end up losing the game eight to five. Nick Schmaltz has seven points for the Arizona Coyotes. So now you got a team that has lost to the Canadians. Uh, get just destroyed by the Lightning and Panthers and get outclassed by the Arizona Coyotes of all teams. Uh, th- th- that was one of the worst four-game stretches I can remember in recent memory of uh, this rebuild. Um, there's been a lot of bad hockey, and I- I'm sure this is probably just recency bias because there was some really bad hockey, especially in that 2019 year leading up to the Stutzla and Sanderson draft. But to be totally honest, this team should be just embarrassed, really. Uh, like, I just, I don't have much more words for it. Um, I didn't really think that Matt Murray played horribly. 
necessarily, but he gave up eight goals. And you just, you eight goals on 31 shots is a 742. Um, it, it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, it wasn't his fault, but you also kind of want to save in there. And he got hurt again. And that's something I'll touch on here too. But um, yeah, like that, that was the tipping point. And there was a lot of different takes online. And I saw takes range from this team is, you know, a, a crazy, uh, not not a crazy one, a common one, I should say, that I've seen a lot lately is this team is actually nowhere close to competing, which is, I kind of lean more that way than I do this team is really close to competing. But it's just kind of funny seeing the swing after, you know, they win, they go four and four without, you know, Norris, Pinto, Batherson, and everyone. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, you get those guys back, you're automatically going to compete. Well, guess what? Shabbat, Norris, and Batherson are all back, uh, you know, all back and playing. And, um, it's sorry, not Batherson, uh, not Batherson, my bad. Um, but Norris was, and, uh, Shabbat was, and, you know, like you were getting as close as you're probably going to get, um, other than Batherson to a full healthy lineup here. And, um, you know, Colin White's back. That's sorry that, you know, that that's the name that was on my head. And you just like, there's no excuses for injuries for that to happen. And, um, I, I, I just, I, I go back and forth because it's one of those things where if you expected this team to be very good, uh, I think you were probably setting yourself up for disappointment. But at some point, you need to not get killed by the elite teams and also not lose to the two worst teams in the league. I don't think that's too much to ask for because, yes, even if you didn't expect this team to be good. I really didn't. I, I thought they were going to be bottom 10 again this year. I didn't really see how they were going to take that step to, you know, some people said if everything goes right, there may be a playoff bubble team. I just didn't see that happening. But this is disappointing. Like, you can't drop, you know, leading up, and we'll get to that. This is without the Vegas game. But if you include the Vegas game, just you can't be dropping seven of your last eight games. You know, you can't be taking three points in eight games and expecting yourself to get anywhere like that. And it's one of those things where, you know, you want to you wanna give them the excuses, but how much longer are they going to get the excuses? And this is kind of why, uh, uh, and this is going to be a topic for sure, but this is why I would not be trading that first-round pick this year um, until you, at least until you know where you're going to be drafting. Because it was just two to four weeks. You know, the last couple guests I've had on um, have definitely been more open, you know, some more than others, but everyone's been kind of open to at least exploring what you could do with that pick. Um, But guess what? Like right now, they're only a point above the Buffalo Sabres. Now, this could be without the St. Louis one updated. I'm not sure. But, you know, they're they're right there with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, The Flyers are, you know, right ahead of them again. You know, Uh, the the Devils are ahead of them. They're right kind of there as well. out west, the the Blackhawks have more points than them again. Um, the Sharks are flying. The only team in the West are the Coyotes and Kraken. And so, again, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they they could very well end up with the tenth overall pick, but it could also be the fifth overall pick, and that probably wouldn't be the most insane thing in the world. And I just I don't think you should be trading your pick away at the deadline, even if you can get a Brock Besser type. Like, I would just much rather try and make a move like that. I think at the in the off season, unless you're unless you're like top eight protecting it or whatever, but even then, then you're going into next year without your first round pick, and you know the last time we did that, it just it was a bit of a disaster. So 
the games like this really, uh, I think this week really opened the eyes a lot. And there probably was some overreaction because I, I thought they followed it up with two okay performances against um, Vegas and a, a great performance really against St. Louis. There, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, uh, they played, and even against Arizona, like uh, the thing is you just can't really let Arizona score eight goals on you. I, I thought they they played well for half the game. I mean, the first period was horrid. The second period was I mean, like the back 12 minutes of that second period was some of the most dominant hockey they have played all year. And again, even into the third, there was times too. And then went back and forth more. But um, yeah, again, against Vegas, they uh, they were right around even in terms of shot chances and goal chances. And they should have gotten a point out of that game. But uh, a really, really, really weak call to end the game uh, puts Vegas on the power play and they score within three seconds left. Uh, I was very happy. I fell asleep. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep after the... Uh, First period of that game, so I didn't see it because I would have been very, very angry um, with the outcome of that game uh, if I was up watching it at the time. So, uh, but yeah, I thought they probably should have got a point out of the Vegas game from what I watched. Um, And then tonight against St. Louis, uh, that was one of the best games I've seen them play in a very long time. Uh, they controlled possession. They, you know, they dominated chances. The eye test, it looked, it looked really, really well from a lot of guys. Like I, I thought, I've been really critical of that fourth line, and I will continue to be. I, I like Parker Kelly, but I don't think Ambrell or Watson are really NHL players at this point. I think if Watson's your thirteenth, maybe you're okay, but I don't think Ambrell really belongs on an NHL roster. But I thought they looked okay tonight. Um, Sanford back, you know, in St. Louis, uh, the team he won the cup with. I thought he had a good game, and Kachuk obviously gets a goal and has the huge fist bump, Sally, and that I think hyped everyone up. But um, yeah, I, I thought tonight was great. Forsberg was really good when he was need, needed to be. Um, but, you know, they they had some, a couple sloppy moments. It was pretty back and forth. But I just thought, generally speaking, uh, you know, St. Louis is a pretty solid team. Um, and the, the Sens really took it to them at the end of a road trip where it would have been very easy for them, you know, if they would have got killed 5-1 or whatever, to just be like, well, what do you want us to do? We went from Florida to, to Vegas to back into St. Leo, you know, into the Central here. Um, but they, they didn't do that. They they buckled down and played a hard game, and now they have a team in the Seattle Kraken coming up that uh, they're right. You know, Seattle's five points behind them. The Seattle's been horrible this year, and they just lost a tough one to the Leafs. So, um, you know, they, Ottawa's coming back home. They're going to be probably still pretty tired, but Seattle's out on the East Coast, so there's no reason not to try and take two points here. You know, if, you, if you're going to drop points to the Coyotes and, and the, the Canadians, you know, your next three games, your next four games, really, five games, man, this schedule, like, eight games are, I'm going to say, not easy, because there's no easy games, obviously, if you're a team like the Senators, but you have the Kraken, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, the Blue Jackets, the Flyers, the Canadians, the Islanders, and the Jets. So out of those eight games, the Kraken have five points less than you. The Blackhawks, I think, have one more than you, are not a very good team. The Coyotes obviously suck. They're about six or seven points below you. The Blue Jackets, they're a bit above you. I don't think they're that great of a team. Um, you know, they have 59 points, so they are like 19 points ahead of, or 14 points ahead of Ottawa. But, you know, I don't think they're that good of a team. They're very clearly the ninth best team in the East. That's at least a playable game. Uh, the Flyers are really bad. They're a point. You know, they're within a point of view. The Canadians suck. Uh, the Islanders aren't good either. You know, like the Islanders have struggled all year too. Uh, they're only five points ahead of the Senators as well. So, uh, and then the Jets on the other side. Like the Jets feel like they should be a good team. They've really struggled as well at fifty-eight points. So, um, you know, uh, it's the next seven games for sure. If you want to exclude the Jets there, but like this next week or two. 
if you really want to make some points and show that you're, you know, maybe more ready than uh, um, people are giving you credit for, this is the time to do it. Because if you're dropping points to the next couple teams, you may as well say forget it and hope this team can get as high of a pick as possible. Because this is going to be, relatively speaking, a make or break. Obviously, the season's broken already. But, like, this, this I think, stretch right here will kind of determine if Ottawa is going to be a bottom five team or in that more... 21 to 26 range you know and um obviously there's potential for them to play more like there's still lots of games to be played um you know 30 games or so 25 games but like this next six or seven you're you're not going to get an easier run for the rest of the year than this uh simply put uh, like there's a close one maybe at the end of the year where you go kraken canucks blue jackets canadians devils uh panthers flyers obviously the panthers would be unreal uh, a really good team in there but um like this is just a fact that this is going to be one of the closest times that you're going to have to really put up some points here. And, um, and not even about that, but just, I think just kind of show, you know, that you're a team that is maybe a couple players away. And again, I've reiterated, I think a, they need to overhaul their decor. The right side of that decor needs a serious change. Um, and they, they need another top six winger, maybe even two, to be completely honest. And one of those, maybe, maybe one of those guys is Colin White on your left wing or something like that. Or you plug Formanton in. I, I was talking today on Twitter and, you know, I said I would personally put Formanton on the second line, Colin White on the third line next year and go get like a Kevin Fiala, Brock Besser type for your second line right winger. Because I think Formanton on a good team, he is a third liner. But if he is clearly the third best player on your second line, that is a good fit as well. And um, Colin White, this is an interesting, very interesting case. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the team does with him. He's got a very friendly buyout, and he's been one that um, fans have really wanted to see bought out for a while now. Um, but he is a point per game. I believe he had, uh, I don't think his Hockey DB stats have updated yet. He's got five points in six games according to Hockey DB. I think he had another one tonight, or two more tonight maybe, um, unless those are counting. But he, he's like... He's at a point basically every game he's played so far, and he's looked really, really comfortable coming back from a surgery. Um, he's a likable dude. You know, you always talk about character. I'd rather keep, you know, like, if we're going to talk about character, at least keep a character guy like Colin White who is an NHL player. Sure, he's overpaid, but, like, I just don't get the double standard of, like, when people defend Austin Watson's character to the, like, end of days, but he's just not an NHL player. Whereas, you know, Colin White, yeah, he's probably, he's overpaid. There's no doubt about it, but... If Colin White was making three point two or three, even three point five million dollars, I I don't think people would have that much of an issue with him. And if they did, I just don't think they'd be paying that much attention because he's a good third line player, and I think he's someone who can slide up on your second line if you really need to. But um, yeah, I kind of got away of the the point of the next couple games. But uh, you know, Colin White's been someone who's come back in this lineup and has looked really good. He's been one of the few bright spots I've really thought um, over the past. For that four or five game stretch, that was just a disaster. I thought Colin White was one of the few only only really shining spots about that. And, um, you know, I think a big thing heading into next year that we've seen for sure as I try and uh, try and slow down my thoughts here. I feel like I'm just kind of rambling because it's just me. But um, I feel like one of the biggest things uh, with this team is that um, they need to find a secondary offense for when Drake Batherson goes out. Uh, obviously, that was a nasty injury to Batherson. Batherson's an amazing player. He was having an amazing year. But 
one player for an even okay team going out should not completely torpedo your offense like it has done. Um, Stutzels look good. Like I, I like the the top guys have looked okay. They've just kind of looked overwhelmed because it, it feels and. Part of that is without Norris, uh, like it's t- tough for Stutzla and Kachak to kind of create everything themselves, and that's what they've been asked to do. I-, I don't think they've looked bad by any means, but they've just looked a lot quieter, and, and you know the depth scoring kind of dry, uh, drying up a lot. Because uh, quite frankly, I-, I don't understand Tyler Ennis being scratched tonight in St. Louis. I get you weren't going to scratch Sanford, that's fine, but like there's no way Watson and Gambrell should be playing over Tyler Ennis. That is just uh, absolutely in, insanity to me. Um, but yeah, again, like just as much as I like, like I thought Gadette's been a pretty pretty good player, but it's just not good enough to have on your second line or whatever. And same with like Zach Sanford. Like Sanford's been okay, but he's not a second. I wouldn't even say he's a third line player. On a good team, he's a fourth line player. He's probably your 11th best forward on a really good team. That's what he was kind of in St. Louis. and And it's just one of those things where you know, you see uh, it's multiple injuries, of course, but like with Batherson going out, that's what really dismantled this offense. So I don't know if that's a Besser type that you bring in. Again, Fiala, those are the two names I've kind of brought up a lot. I, I think it's a natural fit given age and everything with Ottawa, but um, it's de- it's painfully obvious that you're definitely going to need some more scoring, and that's going to go up and down the lineup. But um, the, the other spot where I've said it and I've anyone who listens to this podcast will not be surprised uh, by where I stand on this but the defense needs an overhaul on that right side uh, I am so sick and tired of watching Nikita Zaitsev play hockey it has gone from he when he first came in he wasn't Cody CC, and people seem to like that he didn't I always said it was a death by a death by a thousand paper cuts with Zaitsev where he just doesn't really do anything right. You know, like he doesn't do anything well. He just does a bunch of things kind of wrong um, versus just a shotgun blast with CeCe where it's like he might have even played like okay defensively at times and then you just throw a muffin up the middle. It's like, what are you doing? Um, that was the first year of Zaitsev. People didn't really seem to mind because it wasn't Cody CeCe. The team wasn't supposed to be good. It didn't matter. The second year, kind of a lot of the same thing where, you know, the... The freshness started to wear off, but people were still just kind of like, well, you know, like, oh, he's put in a tough spot. If you move him down one pair, he'll be okay. Well, guess what? As we're into year three, four, I don't five, I don't even know what year of Nikita Zaitsev this is, but uh, the, the shine is completely worn off because he, A, is on the second pair now, and he's still taking hard minutes, which is, I, I cannot wrap my head around, but he sucks doing it. Uh, this is the, somehow this is the only third year of Nikita Zaitsev. That blows my mind. It feels like it was fifth at least, but I, like last year, I thought we saw more and more people kind of going, yeah, like he's kind of overused, but I think he's still an okay player. I think everyone kind of, and, and the assists were a big thing last year too. He's shooting the puck a lot and got really lucky with a lot of tip-ins. I want to say he's got five points in 37 games this year and sucks ass defensively. It's as simple as that. He can't make a breakout pass to save his life. He has no defensive awareness and he's weak on the puck. Like this whole thing about, oh, Brandstrom can't play in his own end because he's too small. Watch Nikita Zaitsev. That guy gets bullied off the puck more than any other defenseman I've ever freaking watched in my entire life. It is unbelievable. And I just, it's gotten to the point, like, even last year, I tried not to rip on him so much because I don't have a personal grudge against the guy. I'm sure he's a fine guy, but he's just not an NHL caliber defenseman. And it's to the point now where 
Even last year, I was banging the drum. If you put him on a third pair role and really just isolate him, you know, kind of like what they've done, I thought, with Josh Brown at times this year. You know, I haven't hated Josh Brown's game. I haven't loved it. I think, you know, you can easily upgrade on him, but he hasn't been just like the worst liability you've ever seen in your entire life. And that's because I think he's, he's been isolated more at times. If you did something like that with Zaitsev, I thought last year, you know, maybe you can make it work. I'm just not sold he's an NHL defenseman at, at this point. Like, he had... A play the other night where he, I think it was, it was Arizona. He got weak on in the puck going in the corner. He has one hand on his stick. It gets knocked out of his hand because he doesn't have any grip on his stick. He then looks at the ref, loses the puck, goes, chases the guy way out front when it's clearly Nick Paul's guy and leaves his man wide open to put the puck in. Jerk, there's other people that are at fault as well. It wasn't just him, but that's like the ninth time in four weeks that he's done that thing. Less than four, probably two weeks. Again, St. Louis tonight. He has the weakest one-handed little poke clearing attempt I have ever seen. Loses the puck, loses a board battle, and then, you know, because of that, everyone who's thinking that the sends are breaking out get caught putt watching. Perron is right by himself uh, at the hash marks in, gets in, scores the St. Louis only, uh, the Blues only goal. And, you know, again, like some of that is on Nick Holden as well, who, you know, he can't get caught puck watching quite as aggressively, but that puck's got to be out. Any other defenseman, that puck is out nine times out of ten. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't know what it is, but I, I like, I just, this isn't just an analytical thing either. Like, I can point to his analytics of only, the only defensemen uh, worse than him have been Michael Delzato, who was a disaster, and Dylan Etherington this year. That's not two names you want to be around. Um, you know, I can point to that uh, as something as why he's bad. But just go out and watch him for like any amount of time, just four shifts, and you probably notice him not doing something he's or doing something he's really not supposed to be doing. Um, I just I don't know what the coach sees in him because even on the penalty kill, like I don't think his defensive awareness is strong enough to be an effective penalty killer. So it's just one of those things where I've already wasted too much breath on it. But I just, I, like, if they go into next year with Nikita Zaitsev on the team, I'm going to be very questionable how serious they want to win. But if he's in the top four, I just I don't think they're serious about trying to make the playoffs. Because you're just, you're not, you are going to need three really, really, really good defensemen to make up for him if he's still playing. 20 plus minutes a night on a team that's trying to make playoffs. It's, it's really just that simple. So um, the last thing I really wanted to touch on was the goaltending. You know, we kind of touched on forwards, call him white defense. Now uh, goaltending Matt Murray goes down again. I try not to be frustrated because it's like, it's, it's definitely different this year. I saw some, I can't, I forgive me. I can't remember who pointed out on Twitter, but I definitely saw someone mention that like last year, it was a lot of like, pulled groin or like kind of stuff where it felt like he should have been more ready for it this year it's just like his own defender slamming a player into him and him going down or whatever and I I, I hesitate to try and criticize too much because um you know NHL players put themselves through way too much pain and I, I'm always an advocate of like we got to stop propping up this hole. Like, you, you know, when we get to the end of playoffs and it's like, yeah, this guy had a punctured rib. This guy was playing with a broken leg. It's like, that shouldn't be glorified. That is not a good thing. But um, it's, so I, I'm trying not to be a hypocrite here, but it is crazy how often Murray has gotten hurt. And 
it's one of those things where I'm not like I'm not angry at the dude or whatever. Uh, if he's hurt, he's hurt. You don't get healthy. That's the most important thing. But it's just kind of insane how infrequently he's been able to string together four or five games. Um, because you know he I, we talked I talked about it last week with Graham that I thought he looked really good over the past ten outings or so. You know, and he goes and gets hurt again. And obviously, you know, last time we talked, he was he had a kid. Obviously, no one's going to blame him for missing that game uh, or those games. But uh, he also was hurt before that too. So and then he comes back for another game or two and gets hurt again. So it's just kind of unbelievable. But that leads to the question of what you do with Forsberg and. I am full on train. You got to trade Forsberg. Uh, I, I think I might even write about this. You cannot re-sign Forsberg. I've already started to see the, the narrative of, do you re-sign Forsberg? Can you trust Murray? No, you do not. How many times does this team and fan, like anytime, it's not that the team falls into it too, but the fan base, anytime you get 9-10 goaltending, they seem to just want to lock the goalie up for three years. Did we learn nothing from Andrew Hammond, Mike Condon, Condon, jeez, Condon, I'm getting flustered here. Um, you know, like, just how many times do we have to find an okay backup that plays good for 20 games and then go, oh, we got to reward him with a, with a contract? Like, no, this isn't how it works. Like, Forsberg could put up, keep putting up, like, Vesna-type numbers like he has over his past two outings. And if he does that, all Ottawa should be thanking for is that he upgraded his value from a sixth round pick to like a second round pick at the deadline and flip him right away because it's not even about next year alone. It's about this year too. You need to know what you have in Philip Gustafson and you have been kind of just moving him back and forth. He's kind of been the backup, but he's only one way contract this year, next sorry, this coming year. And not only that, he's the 23 year old guy who might be the face of your franchise in that. I'm sorry, but Anton Forsberg is not playing in net for the Ottawa Senators in five years. I'm not saying Gustafson is either, but there's a much larger chance that he could be that guy. And you need to, like, this is the year they should have been figuring it out. And I get having worries about Matt Murray's injury history, but man, if Murray misses five games and you need to call up a younger goalie and play a, ta- a young tandem for four, three games, four games in which Gustafson's going to take three of them, there's worse things in the world. Like this, I, the, this whole idea to me that goaltenders just like can't be brought, like you can't have two young goaltenders for, especially for like a four game stretch, just kind of blows my mind. Like everything that analytics has shown us is that teams should be way more willing to give young guys a chance and not just, and like it's going to come for goaltending too, but we're seeing it, you know, the first thing was forwards. It used to be unheard of for a bunch of 18, 19 year olds to be playing and being different makers in the NHL. Well, that is the norm now. Now it's trickling in defense. We're seeing Cider as an 18-year-old in Detroit being an absolute dominant defenseman. Where we're seeing guys like Makar, as soon as he steps into the league, being a top five defenseman. Heiskanen, as soon as he stepped into the league, he was a really good defenseman. You know, I, I have the same hope for Sanderson as well. You know, the, the next trend is going to be goalies. It's goalies are yes, they are voodoo, but. They're going to be voodoo where you're going to get some good 20-year-old or 18-year-old, maybe, you know, or 19-year-old goaltender. So if you need to put a 20 or 21-year-old in with your 23-year-old, especially, yeah, obviously it's not a great full-season plan, but if you need to do that for a week and a half, that's fine. And and that, to me, that risk is way more worth taking than the risk of 
Murray actually staying healthy, and now you have the decision of, well, we can't really sit Forsberg because we decided not to trade him. We're not sitting our $6 million goalie, and we're just not going to figure out what we have in Philip Gustafson. To me, that is the worst-case outcome for the end of a season that doesn't really matter. Point-wise, it does not matter. Again, this is much like the end of last season. Now is just trying to figure out what you have in players. You know, the, the trade deadline is, I think, two weeks away from today, uh, or, you know, something like that. It's the 26th. It's the 8th today. So, you know, it's about two weeks away. You know, post-trade deadline, if you have guys to play, Gambrell, uh, Watson, you know, Sanford will be gone. I don't think Watson will be gone. But, like, the Parker Kellys of the world should not be coming out of the lineup. I think Sokolov could get a good extended look if you want to keep looking at him. Um, You know, like... Any guy who you think is a fringe guy and you're not really sure it's where it's like, we think he might be a part of the team next year, he should be playing after this trade deadline. And that's the big thing to me. And that is the massive reason why I don't think you can keep uh, Gus or Forsberg. But it's just the, the biggest thing to me, too, is just like how truly often this team has got burned by signing backups to a three by three or whatever. And half a year into the contract, they go, oh, crap, we want out of this. Um I wasn't even. I didn't even think they need to sign Forsberg for this year. Um, it kind of looked like he's boosted his value, so you know, good for that. But I, I just don't think you can double down on it. So um, I ranted for 33 minutes. Uh, it's tough going by my, by myself here. I, I won't lie. It's not something I want to do too too often. But it, it's definitely. I think I, it's hard to book guests sometimes, especially I, I'm getting real busy here. Um, and, but I, I want to keep the content going too. I, I like, I, ideally I could, I want to record every week. I, I don't think that's realistic though. So I, I'm aiming for every, you know, 10 ish days, seven to 14 days is kind of my, my alley here. But, uh, yeah, I, I would love everyone's feedback, positive or negative about a solo podcast here. Um, obviously this is not something I plan on doing every week. I plan on having a, another guest for next episode and film for all, all of them a lot of them going forward, but I just kind of thought there was a lot of talking points tonight that I want to get off my chest and I, I figured I'd just rant and go with it. But, um, yeah, again, any feedback is always great. Um, as always, you, you can find, you, you can either leave it in the podcast here on Twitter. Uh, the, the podcast account is last word on sends. Uh, my personal account is NHL sends and stuff. Um, you can, you can go and look at either one. Um, yeah, but other than that, I hope everyone has had a great week. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more content to talk about because just looking at the uh, Senator's schedule here, you know, they, it's the 8th today. They go, they play on the Thursday, Saturday, Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. So they have six games in their next, uh, you know, what's that, like nine days, basically. Uh, and then they get a two-day break till the 22nd, but then they go 22nd, 24th, 26th. Get a couple day break till the 29th, and then you know, 29th, 1st, 3rd, 5th, 7th, 9th, 10th. So it's basically from here to April, um, and to the end of April when their season is over, it's basically games every other day. So, um, yeah, there, there'll be lots to talk about, and uh, I'm hoping I can get back to everyone, uh, get another podcast out in the next week or week and a half or so. So, um, again, thank you everyone for listening. You can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I'm going to try and write a couple pieces, uh, a couple deadline pieces. And I, I think I'm going to do a piece on why the Sens should trade Forsberg as well. So keep your eyes out for that. But, um, yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening. I hope you all have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week.